Welcome to the weekly worship service from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbon A and Kankakee. In today's service, you will hear readings from God's Word, a message from our pastor, the Lord's Prayer, and a blessing for you and your family. But first, a few announcements about our ministry at St. Paul's. We invite you to join us for our weekly 5 p.m. Saturday worship service at our church located at 348 East Merchant Street in downtown Kankakee. We also hold weekly Sunday morning worship services at 8.30 and 11.05 at our school site, located at 1780 Career Center Road in Bourbon A. If you have any health reasons that might keep you away from in-person worship, please consider one of our alternative worship services, such as our worship page on our website, our weekly WKAN broadcast, and through our Facebook stream. You may also request an audio copy or opt for our podcast. All worship services and church information are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. The latest information on our response to the pandemic is available by clicking the COVID-19 tab at the top of the page. For more information about St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, please call the church office at 815-932-0312. And now we pray that you are blessed by the Word of God in today's worship. reading this morning is from the Revelation to John. Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He said in a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who has made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading comes from Paul's letter to the Romans. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. 
Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. But now a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. On what principle? On that of observing the law? No, but on that of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. This is the word of the Lord. Please rise as we sing to our Lord. to St. John, the 8th chapter. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are really my disciples, truly my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered, We are descendants of Abraham and have never been in bondage to anyone. How is it that you can say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. A slave does not continue in the house forever. The son continues forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. We continue with our hymn in 566, By Grace I Am Saved. <laughs> God, grace, 
mercy and peace to yours today in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The text of the message comes from our epistle reading from Romans. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for your wonderful and amazing grace that has claimed us as your own. Bless our lives that we may always realize with thanksgiving the great gifts that you give to us. And as we gather, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Maker and our Redeemer. Amen. St. Paul writes, there is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Christ Jesus. Sartek. In his book, What's So Amazing About Grace, author Philip Yancey uh, recounts an interesting story about C.S. Lewis. It was during a British conference. It was on uh, comparative religions and and experts from all around the world were there debating if what any, uh, if, if, if what if any belief was unique to the Christian faith. Right? They began by eliminating different possibilities. Well, incarnation, well, other, other religions had versions of God appearing in human form. Uh, resurrection, well, other religions had accounts of a return from death, too. And the debate went on for some time until C.S. Lewis uh, sort of wandered into the room and asked, uh, what's all this rumpus about? And he heard him reply that the colleagues were discussing Christianity's unique contribution among the world's religions. And he responded quickly and said, well, that's easy. It's grace. And as they discussed it, they had to agree. This notion of God's love coming to us free of charge no strings attached, seems to go against every instinct of humanity. Whether it's a, a, the Buddhist Eightfold Path or the Hindu doctrine of, of karma, or the Muslim code of law, each of these offers a way for one to earn God's approval. Only Christianity dares to make God's love unconditional. Grace. Well, you might be thinking, well, Pastor, <laughs> We need to hear another sermon about the grace of God. I mean, uh, it's, uh, isn't that a little bit worn out these days? Uh, you know, it's Reformation Sunday, but maybe since 500 years ago, years of pastor, uh, the whole thing about grace was important back then at that time, right? Uh, when when doing good works was sort of obliterated the idea of God's grace. But but today, come on, we, we need something better, right? Uh, we we need we're looking for maybe some practical things for for us in today's sermons. Uh, you know, maybe it's something like, how, how, do, how do I get close to Jesus? Uh, uh, or, or, or what must I do to, to, so that Jesus is the ruler of my life? Pastor, tell me that. Now, how can I improve my prayer life so that I, so I get drawn closer to God? Or how can I worship God so I can feel the warmth and excitement of God's love? What do I need to do? Now, if you look at the title of the message, I titled this sermon, Delicate grace. I mean, I call uh, grace delicate or fragile because when our focus is on what I or we need to do to improve our relationship with God, that grace is in danger. Grace is indeed a very delicate and fragile thing because it can be so, so easily overwhelmed, can it? Uh, by our human need, by our human desires to think that it is up to us to do something to get into God's good graces. Grace is God's undeserved love for each and every one of us. 
Grace flows from God's nature. And that nature is love. And it is forgiveness. That forgiveness of God is there and it makes it possible for you and me to be his dearly loved children. So how can anything that is so wonderful uh, and, and coming from an all-powerful, almighty God be called delicate and fragile? Well, God's grace itself is fragile. But it can become that way when our faith and salvation are based on what we do for God rather than what God does for us. I mean, this really was Luther's struggle, right, in the monastery. Uh, he tried and tried to do things to please, as he saw, an angry God. The Apostle Paul had to remind the early Christians frequently that God's grace really is all that they needed. They wanted to add rules about what to eat and what to drink, being sincere in their observation of the Sabbath and, and other kind of festivals and circumcision, etc. And so Paul really had to emphasize quite firmly that because of Jesus Christ, God accepts us freely. It is by grace that you have been saved in faith. It is not of your own works. It's not from yourselves. You know, Luther had the same problems and called the church back to the biblical idea, uh, concept that salvation is given totally and only through the grace of God, not by our works. Listen to these quotes from Luther about grace. To be convinced in our hearts that we have forgiveness of sins and peace with God by grace alone is the hardest thing. And he, he wrote, God has surely promised his grace to the humble, that is, to those who mourn over and despair of themselves. But a man cannot be thoroughly humbled until he realizes that his salvation is utterly beyond his own power, counsel, and effort, will, and works, and depends absolutely on the will counsel, pleasure, and work of another, God alone. And finally, this one, if God were willing to sell his grace, we would accept it more quickly and gladly than when he offers it for nothing. Ouch, right? My friends, I think that we're equally in danger of taking good things, right? Like our sincerity, our dedication, our commitment, our worship, our prayers, our devotion to the church, and taking those things and adding them to God's grace. When we do that, grace is no longer grace. Grace is, uh, grace is and only grace uh, uh, when it comes to us as a free gift. We cannot add to it. Let me say it again. There is nothing that you can add to God's grace for your salvation. No matter how hard you work at it, no matter how much faith you have, no matter how long you spend in prayer, no matter how inspiring your worship is, there is nothing that will save you except the undeserved love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ and God. Your forgiveness, your eternal life in heaven is a free gift from God. Paul writes to the Romans in Romans 6, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. On the other hand, it must also be said that those who continue to reject Jesus and his love and forgiveness, well, they still remain in sin. God's pretty tough on sin. Sin kills. Sin has taken such a hold of our lives that even the good things that we do, right? Our sincerity, our, our best intentions, even our desire uh, to, to, to go to Jesus get blemished with sin. That's why it's essential and basic to the Christian faith that God deals with us according to his grace. Phil Yancey wrote, Grace means there is nothing we can do to make God love us more 
And grace means there is nothing we can do to make God love us less. He will still love us. Grace is that over-the-top gift, free and forever, not asking the question of whether we deserve it or not, because we don't. This means that God will not withdraw his love from many of us because maybe we've lied uh, to our friends or we dabble in drugs or we, we struggle with doubts or depression. The love of God does not diminish but follows us wherever we go. Now what I've said so far is probably not new to many of you, especially if you've been in church for many years. You will know that the grace of God is central to our understanding what the Bible has to say to us and especially central to our understanding of God's relationship with us. But we find it hard to accept something for nothing. No. It's hard for us to accept a gift graciously, that is, accept the fact that we have done nothing to deserve that gift. But the giver wants to give it anyway, without any strings, without any thought of giving, uh, of being paid back. This means, it is this that makes grace so delicate and fragile. Without even trying, we'll say, we'll say, if I am sincere, God will bless me. If. Even regular church folks find it difficult to accept the grace of God as a solution to their problems, not only personally, but in the life of the church. Here's an interesting story to help us understand the the grace of God. The story about a young pastor, a young pastor who believed that the way to a life acceptable, acceptable to God was through obedience and self-denial. He would, he would pound from the pulpit saying, you know, if you struggle against your sins, then, then God will accept you. If you turn away from your wicked ways, then God will welcome you into his kingdom. If, you, if you're sincere, then, then God's going to be gracious to you. If you pray fervently, then, then God will give you what you want because of that sincerity. When you truly believe that, then your sins are forgiven. One Sunday morning, the pastor was called to the bedside of a dying man called Franz. Franz is known for his piety. On the border of consciousness, his mind began to wander to the pastor's horror. He began to speak of all kinds of sins. Jealousy, rage, revenge, and, and self-righteousness interspersed to the pastor's horror uh, with the foulest language and shouting at God and the people in the room. This young pastor was shocked to hear this old man's sinful nature and witnessing it firsthand. But because of what he preached, he began to wonder, how can he be saved? Through faith? It seemed like that has completely deserted him and his consciousness is clouded. What if he should die with these curses on his lips? But then the pastor began to think about himself, his own salvation. He said, if God accepts me because I'm sincere, what do I do, do, what, 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 what do, I do when I discover that I'm no longer sincere? Or when sin gets in the way, or when my faith is destroyed by my many doubts, if God accepts me because I'm sincere, then what happens when I discover that just beneath that veneer of pious sincerity, there lurks an evil, a sin of every kind? What happens when my failure means my judgment? And terrible questions on this pastor's mind. But that night, he got an answer. In the last moments, the daughter of old friends asked him 
Are you still thinking of Jesus? Or you are still thinking of Jesus, aren't you, Father? Replied Lena, Lena, I'm not able to. I can't think of it uh, uh, any longer. But I know Jesus is thinking of me. He died in grace despite the sin and dirt on his heart. He knew that there is a loving Savior. He saw no one but Jesus. Not sincerity, not obedience, not repentance, not piety, not devotion, not even faith as a way to God's heart. The only thing he saw was Jesus. He knew that Jesus had done it all. In our world today, we hear these things, don't we? If you have faith, then God will accept you. If you give up this or that, then you can be regarded as a true Christian. If you pray fervently, then God will give you what you ask. If you really trusted in God, then, then your troubles, your sickness, your worries, those would all be over by now. If you are sincere and try to live in Christian life, then, then, then God will bless you. If. Those ifs are the greatest threat to the gospel. When we begin to think upon those lines, then grace all of a sudden becomes so doubt, delicate and fragile, doesn't it? Before long, grace is in danger of being lost altogether. God accepts us only and because of Jesus Christ. But I know Jesus is thinking of me. There's nothing more we can do. It's all been done for us. Now, but let me let me also say, there's really no objection to things like sincerity and obedience and repentance and piety and devotion and faithfulness. But God does not accept us because of those things. They come to us as a result of God's work in our lives. They are a response to his goodness and grace. They are not or never have been our part of payment of our salvation. There is a great advantage in having our salvation rest only in Jesus and not in anything of ourselves because we are fickle people, aren't we? And we find our, so quickly that our, our feelings, our trust, our sincerity, genuineness of repentance, it can be pretty uncertain. The, the strength of these goes ups, up and down from hour to hour, day to day, from difficulty to difficulty. But it is in the time to struggle and doubt that there is only one who remains unchanged in our lives. He is the one who's made the covenant of love with us and promised to be our Heavenly Father and has accepted us. It is good to remind ourselves that God has done everything that, uh, as we proclaim, that I have been baptized, right? God has accepted me in Christ. Jesus is the only one that can help me in my greatest need, and that's all that counts. Really, this is Martin Luther's gift to the church, isn't it? To get our eyes off of us and on to Jesus. Luther said this, this is that mystery which is, which is rich in divine grace and the sinners, wherein, by our wonderful exchange, our sins are no longer ours, but Christ's. And the righteousness of Christ is not Christ's, but ours. He has emptied himself of his righteousness that he might clothe us in it and fill us with it. And he has taken our evils upon himself that he might deliver us from them. It's often called a, a, the great exchange or the happy exchange. Perhaps you remember the solas of Luther, right? A sola scriptura, scripture alone, 
uh, sola fide, uh, faith alone, and, and sola gratia, grace alone. The teaching of this unconditional acceptance of God is not just a nice biblical understanding. It's also very practical to us, right? A practical teaching affecting our whole outlook of Christians. We, we don't give our offering offerings because we must. We don't come here and worship because we, we must do that. Neither do we help others because we're driven by, by that command and feel that to be true Christians, we, we must carry this kind of activity out. We don't see our obedience or devotion or piety and worship as a condition of being accepted by God. We have been saved by God's grace alone as we sang. And so when we live by grace, everything that happens now in our life is controlled by the fact that God loves us and that we belong to God. Our worship, our offerings, our works of helping and caring and serving are a response. They flow out of that indescribable, amazing love and grace that God has for us. God has been gracious to you and me, and, and we're glad that, that God works through sinful people like you and me to bring about changes in this world and encouraging others to love and serve God as well. All by itself, without any addition, the grace of God is the ground out of which real life grows. There is no difference, Paul wrote. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Let's praise God for that delicate and fragile grace. But it is also, my, my friends, a grace that is amazing, freeing, encouraging, and life-changing. So let's live and proclaim God's amazing grace. Amen. Please stand. And now may the peace of God that transcends all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Dear friends, let us confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed we confess together. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, go with God's blessing this day. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this time of worship. From all of us at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, we thank you for listening. More worship opportunities are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. Just click worship at the top of the page. May God bless you and your family each and every day. And again, thank you for listening.